0: Hey there, Pinpoint Players. Tim here with the Pinpoint Player Podcast. I'm joined tonight with my buddy Rambo.
1: Hey, what's going on again, everybody?
0: And tonight, we're going to be talking about the exciting, extravagant world of speedrunning.
1: A concept that, in the beginning, I didn't give much credit to because I thought it was kind of a way to cheapen the game experience, but overall, I've kind of grown to like the concept. It's... It's got an interesting history. Like, its its origin story is way earlier than both of us thought, honestly. That is true.
0: Looking into this, I was actually quite surprised. But if you're familiar with the podcast and the episodes that we have prior, then you'll know that a lot of things in gaming history have surprised us before, considering that video games have been around for so long. In fact, before we get into uh, a lot of the nitty-gritty about the speedrunning, I think it would be wise for us to at least cover some of the origins and the history of it. So, Rambo, if you don't mind, why don't you take us through it?
1: So, the I figured the origins of speedrunning might come maybe in the late 80s, early 90s. I'm thinking like Mario era because I remember being in college and I saw somebody speedrunning through... The original Mario game, they hit every jump perfectly. They jump on the exact right enemies so that way they would get to the end of the stage as fast as possible. They go through certain pipes so that way they could beat these levels as fast as possible. And they would beat the entire game and morph four zones in like something crazy, like maybe like 10 ish minutes. I don't know what the exact time is, but something crazy where you weren't supposed to beat the game originally in 10 minutes. But you give people enough time with a game like Mario that's, you know, 40 years old. They were going to find an exploit like that. So, not surprising there. But to its origin. While speedrunning may seem to be a modern development, technically the concept has been around for decades. The first game actually to utilize the fundamentals of speedrunning was a 1997 game Drag Race by Key Games. Quick editor note there, that's 1977, not 97. Shortly thereafter in 1980, Activision released a similar game called Dragster. The objective of these games was to complete a drag race as quickly as possible, Dexter then released a promotion inviting people to take pictures of their screens. They finished in under six seconds. The in-house record at the time was 5.64 seconds. And in 1982, gaming enthusiast Todd Rogers did just that with a world record of 5.51 seconds. This brought Rogers' fame in gaming community and led him to become the world's first professional gamer. So crazy thing that happened in the early 80s and, you know, speedrunning. I mean, these days you have a screen capture on your computer to capture your speed running runs, or you have some sort of capture card for your systems or you use the share feature on the modern day PlayStation and Xbox, but back then you had to take a picture of the screen to show your results. And you had to hope by the way, that picture worked perfectly. Cause I remember in the old days, if you took a picture of a TV screen, it'd have these like lines, it'd be looking fuzzy. And the worst part was you would have to wait until after the film was developed. So you take a picture and hope that that picture came out correctly. It was really kind of perilous at the time.
0: It certainly was, and uh, you know, it's 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 still so phenomenal to hear that it took place so early on. I mean, Dragster came out in a port uh, as a as a port in the in the '80s, and that's what people. I mean, yeah, they needed to use. To, uh, it's 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 tough for younger generation to grasp because they have been introduced to the instant phone cameras, where they're. Uh, they can just instantly
1: take a picture and or record it just on the, with their own oh, yeah. phone. I mean, and then just on that same vein, it says it says here just from the article I'm referencing, and just and this kind of makes sense. It wasn't until the 1990s, with the help of the internet, that speedrunning truly really began to take off, and that makes sense. It's like sure, you can send a picture into Nintendo or Activision to show that you had the best, you know, lap run on this, you know, racing game, but when everybody's existing together in a public forum on the internet in the '90s on these, you know, text-based chat forums, where they can talk about the game and say that they did X, they beat the game in only X, it creates this community where speedrunning can proliferate. And in that same run, because we're talking about the '90s, um, it's this makes sense here. Um, it's saying here a lot of speedrunning that the games that helped speedrunning take off are both its software games, um, Doom and Quake. Because the um, your character in both games can run very fast, so if you get the best weapons and you know exactly where the keys are, you can just barrel through the level as quick as possible. So and there's a timer at the end of the level too to tell you how fast you beat the level. So naturally it seemed like it was perfect for speedrunning. Just get through as quick as possible, defeat all this, you know, cyber demons, you know, hell spawn as quick as possible.
0: Yeah. And there's actually a couple of uh, interesting things about uh, certain games that make them good quality games for speedrunning. But there's also things about those games that aren't intentional that make them good for speedrunning. A case in point is uh, Doom. Uh, You can easily traverse from point A to point B in the game and you're timed. But the standard thought for playing the game is you're you're facing the demons you're shooting them you're killing them you're collecting all the items however i believe this is the case with dune i know it's the case with another game but i also believe that uh, when your character is facing towards the ground you can easily run from path to path without loading a lot of information in the game, making your character run faster because the RAM is now
1: going towards the movement speed as opposed to loading those general graphs. That makes sense. Actually, that makes a, a good deal of sense. If you if you memorize the level of the layout and oh, actually, no, that's correct, because so I remember this as a kid. Um because i played doom on the ps1 i had the ps1 port. i never got to play the pc port until i was well into adulthood but on the ps1 version it was graphically limited because the ps1 wasn't advanced to the pc there was two views you could do there was one where was just the regular doom guy first person but then if you hit the select button on the playstation one it would show up this map view and the map view i remember as a kid always running smoothly, like you could actually direct your character to run through the entire level just using the map view, the top-down map view, and it was kind of weird. Again, I would recommend people go look up screenshots and video of what I'm saying because it's tough to describe, but imagine a top-down uh, vector-based map where you, the Doom guy, are just a triangle in the middle of this vector. That's what it was, and obviously, for the, even for the PlayStation, that could be rendered really easily, so I'm imagining now that if somebody wanted to speed run it, they would just hit select, go to that vector map, and then just run through the levels as quick as possible because they knew where everything basically was. Yes, their enemies were still there, but if you knew well enough to, like, sidestep and hug the walls, you could probably avoid everything.
0: That's amazing. Uh, that's, that's actually really <laughs> I forgot awesome. all about that, honestly, <laughs> until you mentioned it. <laughs> no kidding. Jeez. So, yeah, okay. So, it would be possible because they did give you an option to be able to at least know where your character is. And if you've done it a few times, by the way, speedrunning is definitely repetitious. Like you're you're going to learn the lay of the land whether you want to or not. Considering that you're speedrunning, you probably do because uh, I'm not sure if all well no that's not true. A lot of the games don't have that same type of safety net where there's a small little map. I know that you can I know that you can for like Mario games which like you were saying, I also thought speedrunning started in the early nineties with Mario. Uh, that's exactly the image that I have. If, in fact, when I think of the term speed running, in fact, I think it would be good. This would be a good point to bring up that there are different types of
1: speed running. Yes. C- um, cause yes, there's the, uh, cause the speed running I'm most like c- concerned with for the most part are basically just beat the game as quick as possible, like just the pure speed speed speedrunners. Like, oh, you go through Mario in like 10 minutes, regardless of how many items or stuff you have, but like you're saying, there are other criteria to consider.
0: Indeed, and some of those uh, are available for your educational pleasure through the wonderful website speedrun.com. That's right, folks, speedrun.com. This may not be a sponsor, but... God damn, it's worth it's worth taking a look at.
1: Be sure to check out speedrun.com now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, as I was mentioning to Rambo earlier before uh, we started recording, I'm going to start with the example of Super Mario 64, which was published in Japan in 1996 and available for release in the United States in 1997. There's a percentage that divides speedrunners and speedrunners... Uh, Achievements. So you may be able to complete a speed run in Super Mario, but depending on your stats, your levels, how many hours, uh, times, how you chose to go about it. And for most speed runnings, there's in any percentage speed run, which means that there is no limits. There's the just only go through goal, as quick as you can. Any way, any means necessary. If you're using glitches, if you're using ROMs, if you're using hacks it's any means necessary as long as you detail how you were able to get that percentage then there's a hundred percent which is completing the game legitimately no glitches no hacks no roms no uh, modifiers and a hundred percent completion which is determined by a video games completion rate in the video game itself there is no using uh, manipulations to increase that completion a it's good example
1: of the, a good example go of that is is the uh, Metroid games. Because Metroid games, you had to uh, collect items as you progress to help beat the game. But if you got, just in general, uh, the more items that you collected in Metroid, percent-wise, the you would unlock uh, sometimes special endings. Like, you would get a special one if you unlocked 100%. I, I got 100% in Super Metroid when I was a kid. That was not easy. That was pre-internet. Like, I would search every nook and cranny of the map, but that is a crazy speedrun that people do. They collect every item, and I can only imagine how nauseating some of those can be so
0: which metroid are you talking about are you talking about metroid from 86 oh metroid sorry uh, two
1: uh super metroid super metroid uh super
0: su- metroid uh released in 1994 the any percentage uh the world record is held by uh zost at 40 minutes 46 seconds real time in in-game time he he played for 27 minutes in game
1: good god Oh <laughs> the, that's the
0: any percentage so in 40 minutes he he did it with glitches and hacks and all of that in the 100 percent for super super metroid uh using like you were saying where is it okay real time one hour 12 minutes that's insane and that was, that, that was, that was has... achieved six months ago as of this recording uh february 24th
1: 2022 that's crazy. Like, because I remember as a kid struggling with some bosses, struggling to find certain places I get lost in the game easily. I remember the last time I have so I have the SNES Classic. I bought that um four or five years ago and it had Super Metro on it, and I decided about a year ago to go replay the game because I had so much fun with it as a kid. And I thought I did pretty well. I, I beat it in four hours and ten minutes. Oh nice because right. and I and I hadn't played it in like fifteen years you know, hearing people collect literally every item in the game in an hour and 12 minutes just makes you feel, makes you feel good.
0: Yeah. Think about that, dude. Like what really baffles me and intrigues me about speed running is that the amount of repetition that goes into it, that's the in- amount of information that they store playing through it. So they go through it, they have a bad run, but they remember where the things were and what they needed to do differently. And they keep going and they re- repeat that. And uh, it's it's good and fun in the fact that this is that what they want to do with their time for an achievement for that uh, dopamine fix of I accomplished something, yeah. and that's fine. But this is also the same type of m- you know mindset and complex that the like the the industrial complex wants us to have is that we need to get this dopamine fix of reward we need to accomplish something in our day or we'll feel bad so people have drawn themselves to accomplish you know that that mindset for things that they want to do oh i want to do this because it's a passion of mine and i'll get that accomplishment uh feeling so there there are good things that i appreciate about speedrunning but i also see that they may have come because of a mindset that is just truly
1: awful in the world I suppose. I mean, it's more one way to kind of uh, look at this animal, but I guess sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> I guess when the I guess in regards to speedrunning, um, it's kind of extended the life of some games because there are some games that very very well might have been forgotten about. To be honest, I mean, to go on a side tangent here, um, speedrunning adds uh, another dimension to a game that might not have ever. Had that dimension to begin with in the first place and as a result the game later in its life can get new life i'm not saying games like super metroid will necessarily be forgotten about because it's a classic super Net, you know nintendo game from that era and that's been like you know ported and everything but there are, every now and then there are some games that are at risk of being forgotten the same way that there are some shows tv shows being forgotten on. let me ask you a question have you ever heard of a tv show called northern exposure
0: northern exposure no i don't believe i have
1: i hadn't either years back with my wife we were looking at different lists of tv shows to watch and back in the day we would consult like the best whatever on imdb and just kind of get it for inspiration and northern exposure came up being on the list of top whatever i don't remember the number was and we never heard of it so we looked it up and we were wondered like oh okay let's this sounds interesting enough it's a long story short it's about this doctor that gets um sent up to alaska to complete his um I forget what the word is, but doctorship. Basically, um, the state of Alaska has this program where they'll actually pay for your school, uh, for doctor school completely. The only caveat, at least in the show, was that you stay up there for five years. So because normally it's tough to get people to come to Alaska to stay and be like a doctor or other profession, so you have to incentivize them. And honestly, because being a doctor can sometimes be a quarter million dollars in student loans to do that. It's a pretty good deal. Stay in Alaska for five years and get your school covered. Sure. Sign me up. And honestly... But that's the premise of the show. He has, you know, he's stationed up there. He has to do this. But so we wanted to watch the show. We couldn't watch the show because we looked to see if it was streaming anywhere, literally anywhere, even garbage streaming sites. And I'll be honest, this was like six years ago, seven years ago, and nothing was coming up. We couldn't find it on anything. And so we're looking, Okay, could we buy a DVD of it? Yes, but the DVD hasn't been in print in quite a while, so it's. Pretty pricey because not a lot of places do print it. Like, if you want to buy one season of the show, I think each season for like, you know, the 15 episodes is going to cost you like 20, 25 bucks a pop. So it it's pricey. It's it's one of the pricier like shows. And this is DVD. This is not like it was remastered into Blu-ray at any point in time. Like the, the license I've heard and I've read. and Again, I know I'm going on a side journey here, but I've read that the licensing for like the intro music, I think, is one of the reasons why they are having trouble getting it on any streaming, which is kind of silly. They're just cut out the intro if that's the case. But anyway, the reason I mentioned this show is this is an example where because of licensing issues, because of um, you know generational stuff, because the show is, was on, by the way, 30 years ago to the day we're talking, it's at risk of kind of being forgotten about, and it probably won't get new life. So bringing it back here to speedrunning, there's some games that might get a second chance because people can realize that it might be a fun speedrunning title. Like, there's a chance that maybe Gen Zers wouldn't care about the original Mario game, but because they can, like, run and jump and try and speedrun it, maybe that gives them new interest in it.
0: Oh, yeah, I completely agree. And I'm not saying that the negatives that are coming from what may have created speedrun uh, contradict the positives that speedrun have brought to the gaming community. I I, I actually really like the fact that uh, speedrunners... Are looking at the older games. In fact, I think if I yeah, if I am correct, they actually uh, started with the older games and have evolved into more of the modern gaming uh, way. When I started to look into speedrunning independently, I would look at the games that we have played uh, growing up: GoldenEye, Pokemon, Super Mario, Mario sixty four.
1: Incidentally. Uh, those games, I think, are the actually the easiest to speedrun because they're the easiest to exploit because the developers weren't thinking that people were going to use these games to speedrun. They just became a thing that people discovered afterwards.
0: Right, yeah. And it's interesting because I think now that speedrunning has become sort of what it is in the gaming community, certain game developers are looking at their games and saying, well, let's see if we can incorporate this kind of element in, into it or they're pitching games saying hey this will be a really great speed running game what we'll do is we'll have this start and bah, 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 bah. but uh before i yeah before i get too uh, sidetracked the different tiers of speed running what makes a great game what makes a great speed running game is usually a game that has an in-game timer uh, that isn't the case necessarily today because most game, most speedrunners have streaming services that have a timer at the bottom where they can time themselves. But there were games like Doom that had in-game timers for your level, and you were able to look up those stats. A lot of those games, uh, like Goldeneye, at the end of every mission,
1: ah, um, yes. you were able That's to right.
0: time yourself out at a mission. And that was important because there were certain cheats that were unlocked when you completed missions at certain time points so the uh. developers didn't want to use this for speed running however they did incorporate all the necessary elements in fact without realizing it game, right they had a different idea for it in mind well the game will know when you complete the damn mission in under 20 seconds so that you'll unlock the golden pp7 or pp9 i forget no, it's definitely PP7.
1: It's a PP7, yeah.
0: Yeah, thank you. But uh, the other game that I mentioned, other than Doom, which allows a person to speedrun it better when they're not looking directly at opponents and structures, is Goldeneye. A lot of speedrunners I've seen on the YouTube, they have their character start at a mission and then they immediately look down. <laughs> and they look and they go and they and they're just, they're running across the floor, and it's chaos because you're just seeing the floor panels. But because all of that extra graphic information isn't being loaded onto the screen, even though it's still there in the game, but it isn't displayed, all that extra energy is actually being shifted towards the player's movements. Because that's all—that's on, the only thing the game is really doing. Loading the floor, loading the hands, loading the pistol, and then moving the player.
1: You know, so it's wild.
0: It's interesting that... Had, the old games had those hiccups and glitches, but now they, nowadays those things have been improved. They've been polished. They are what make great game, you know, modern games great. Uh, one of the memes that our Instagram account at the Pinpoint Players on Instagram has is when we were playing games in the 1990s and we were looking at the graphics and thinking, "Oh my God, these graphics are so realistic." Nothing but gets better trying than this. <laughs> exactly we're looking at these triangles and squares and these blocky people and we're like this is peak <laughs> it doesn't get peak. any better than this it won't get any better than this but those are the things that the games lacked uh that created uh advantages in the older games for speedrunning that modern games have improved upon to polish I, it's it's funny that you're saying the longevity of games. People will remember games because they can be played a different way, like how older games have been turned into speedrunning games.
1: Or old, it's interesting. Gar- or old, or very old garbage games that like had nothing redeemable, but maybe as a speedrunning game, there's right.
0: something. Yeah, dude. Just for shits and giggles, I looked up whether there's speedrunning for thirteen.
1: Speedrunning for everything. There-
0: there is. In fact, uh, 13 does fit the criteria for what makes a great speedrunning game. You have independent levels, so each level led into the next level, but each level was timed. So you had a start point and you had an end point, which created a, uh, a period of time that you played the game. So I looked into it, and the any percentage is held by a German player by the name of, yeah, Durkensky. He played the PC platform version, he submitted the run a year ago, and he beat the game in an hour and 23 minutes and 25 seconds. That's with any percentage. So he could have been doing glitches, he could have been doing modifications, but it still took him an hour and 23 minutes.
1: How long does it take a regular Joe Schmo to beat the game, you think?
0: Like 10 hours? That's a really good question. I've played the game several times. And I've never looked at how long it took me to beat it. But I'd say roughly, I think it's a good... I'd say between 10 and 15. Because there's a lot of challenges when you advance in the game. And they don't become easier. So I imagine it's very frustrating.
1: And this guy found a way to pinpoint precision everything. Like shooting enemies, like headshot, headshot, boom, boom, boom. Like run here, run here, boom, boom, boom.
0: The repetition. This, Yeah, the players must have done... Uh, there are only twenty submitted speedruns for thirteen, and uh, they were all done within the last ten years. The most recent submitted speedrun for thirteen was eight months ago. Oh no, I'm sorry, four months ago, and it's the tenth. It's the twentieth place holder at four hours and nine minutes. The next. That's
1: quite, that's quite the uh, standard deviation. <laughs>
0: We went, yeah, the The 20th placeholder is four hours. The 18th placeholder is two hours. So it really shows that uh, not a lot of people has submitted for 13 speedrun. Uh, Rambo, is there a game that you'd be interested in knowing
1: the speedrun for? Yes, actually. Um, one that I wanted to talk about quick before you uh, looked it up was... Um, so one game is Resident Evil 4 because... It's a fun game. It's a classic game. Like, if you haven't played it, it's basically on every system port at this point. You should go play it. But I remember in that game, uh, once you beat the game, you get this weapon called the Chicago Typewriter. It's this uh, Tommy gun style weapon that has, or each bullet is as powerful as a Magnum bullet. And so you can basically dispatch enemies at will. And once you have it, you can run through the game as quick as you want to your heart's content. But I remember... Once watching a speedrun this years ago. Maybe like eight, nine years ago, I watched a speedrun where somebody used this one exploit that I ended up using on, you know, a run of myself. Not to speedrun, but just to play the game where if this one guy figured out that if you're Leon and you're opening a door, you can do you can open the door with two animations. You could just creep it open carefully, or you can if you double tap A, you can kick it open. Double tapping it with an enemy behind it would usually knock him over. But if you were to creep the door open and you had a bunch of enemies behind you and they took a lunge at you while they're doing that animation they can't actually hit you while you're opening the door so a lot of speedrunners what they will do is they will intentionally open the door slowly have the enemies take their lunge and because they can't make contact with you when you're opening the door once the door finishes open you can keep running and it would be a good way to save five or six seconds in a speedrun.
0: oh wow that's clever
1: yeah super clever I remember the very first time I beat the game on GameCube. I want to say it took me something like the very first time, mind you. Probably took me something like 10ish hours because some parts were more harder than others.
0: Okay, all right. So, took you about 10 hours to to beat and you played it on the
1: GameCube. This was way back in the GameCube. Now, if I were to do it again, adult having played the game multiple times knowing what to expect. I could probably beat it in maybe, like, six okay. to seven hours. So what do you got? So uh, they've separated Resident
0: Evil 4 into consoles, but they've also uh, separated into different versions. There's a stream version. There's a, I'm sorry. There's a Steam version. Right,
1: the PC port. There's a,
0: there's a console version. There's also Deluxe and Improved Plus Positions, So I'm just going to go off of the game that you played on GameCube, 2005 version, console version. There are 14 submitted speedruns for Resident Evil 4. The 14th place is an American speedrunner by the name of Extreme Lampshade. Cool. He's an Extreme Lampshade. He submitted his run six years ago, and his time is 2 hours 49 minutes 43 seconds the that's world crazy rec- two hours yeah you said you beat it in about 10 so that's about a fifth what his speed run was so that i was actually pretty surprised like those are pretty decent margins
1: yeah i mean even in my even in my best days i could do it maybe in like six and a half and that was like the best mm. like so you're anyway. improving
0: yeah the top speed run is held also by an american speed run speedrunner by the name of esfrenchi 9 He submitted his speedrun two years ago on the GameCube platform, and his time is an hour and 47 minutes and nine seconds. And that is actually the point of contention. The second place is hour 47, 57 seconds. So there's a huge, huge gap in the percentages in the seconds, and that's what's separating first and second place third place is an hour and 51 minutes so whoever uh american s french e09 and french Stormlight spelled with zero and one they figured out something in between their runs and they're cutting several seconds off of each other's run which is quite impressive
1: i'm sure i'm sure in the videos or whatever they submitted there's probably like something that's one of them did that was just a little bit better than the other but oh jeez. because so Resident Evil 4 it makes sense that it's not one of those games where you're going to speed run it under an hour because you do have to run through parts like there's you can't clip through levels you can't you know warp zone like in Mario you have to just run through stuff now if you know how to run through it correctly then of course you can get a good time but that's still insane given like what it takes to beat that game because there's some parts in that game that are tough I mean I remember, I remember once you were kind of a badass if... Um, like in Resident Evil, the way you save the game, if you recall, is uh, using a typewriter. You would save yeah. it and quit out. But what's interesting in that, I remember years back, um, you were like a huge, this badass if you could beat the game while using the typewriter only three times the whole game. So you have to pick your saves carefully. You know, with boss fights and all, because the game also had quick time events, so if you mess up the quick time events, you're dead. <laughs> There's no, like, oh, you're hurt a little bit. No, you're just dead.
0: Yikes, dude. Oh, I, I remember vaguely playing uh, the Resident Evil series with my brother, and I remember... We played the fifth um, one, too, by the way. Yeah, we did. I remember doing that with you in uh, in my room. Oh, dude, yeah. I remember that. It was but, tough.
1: Like West the last boss fight, Wesker. That was a tough fight.
0: Oh, dude, I I couldn't believe. Yeah, I couldn't believe what he became. Like he he turned into. It was just like this ugh, disgusting green flying fucking angel thing. Oh, that's the one I'm thinking about, right?
1: I think you're thinking of another one. He in the the one we're thinking of. He like gets this like huge growth it's out the of his slu- arm. The slug, yeah. the slug with the legs. Yeah, this like kind of slug growth out of his arm, and he's like using it to attack you. It turns into a drill. Thing. It's it's ridiculous. First of all, Resident Evil is just ridiculous anyway. But yeah,
0: yeah, it is. There's a lot of creatures, and I've obviously blended them. But when I was playing with my brother, I remember playing uh, Resident Evil Four because of the typewriter, and he said we should only use the typewriter before a boss battle. And I was like, oh okay, fine. But we kept dying, and it was like. We could just you know save right he's like no we need to do it right before because that's the only time it's necessary it's like okay
1: why would you this just is do a, it anyway well do, yeah
0: this this seems kind of necessary too right it's but, like
1: because a bunch of regular enemies can still kill you too
0: yeah yeah but we had a good time doing it that way it, it took us a couple of nights but we got through we got through resonate evil 4 in like four or five nights and those those are terrifying times
1: Oh, I mean, the last part when you're on the island, there's this, uh, and like, it's extra dark, there's this one enemy called the Regenerator, and it does exactly what you think it does, is you shoot it, and its limbs will just grow back in real time and still come after you. The only way to defeat it is you have to use this very specific uh, scope on a sniper rifle that allows you to look and see the heat signatures in their body, and they have these four parasites in their body you have to shoot them with your sniper rifle otherwise they're damn near impossible to kill
0: I vaguely remember that
1: but it also could be because you're describing it it was terrifying like I remember oh the sounds they make being pitch black playing that game at like 11 or 12 o'clock at night it was nope that was dumb that was really dumb it was like the first time I ever watched Alien I was like I think it was 10 and it was uh, like late at night it's like nope that was one of the stupidest things I've ever done
0: Yep. No. Oh, same thing with uh, Poltergeist. I, I, I stupidly walked. Yeah, I stupidly watched it with my grandfather because he was like, "Oh, watch this movie. It's really funny." Okay, great. And, uh, uh, yeah. Then the Poltergeist happened, and the clown came out from the closet and pulled the kid under the bed, and the goo started coming out of the tub, and the woman. And oh, the that freaked out a kid.
1: That freaked out any kid. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it did. I remember. <laughs> do, you remember do you remember the scene in that movie where? Uh, The daughter is walking across these, like, walking across these uh, guys, these construction guys. And they're, like, basically ogling her and, like, basically, like, whistling at her. And, like, I'm watching this with with my wife and it's, like, this is a 15-year-old girl. Like, what the hell are you guys doing?
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're being paid professional pedophiles.
1: Right? And, like, in the... In the movie, she handles herself, like, she flips them off, tells them to go fuck themselves, and the mom, like, you know, laughs at, you know, what's going on because she stood up for herself, but it's like... <laughs> My daughter's being sexually
0: harassed.
1: But, but it's like she stood up for herself type of thing, but even still, no, it's it's still messed up because it's like, she's like a 15-year-old girl, and these are, like, probably construction dudes, and they're, like, early 40s. It's like, you're sexualizing a 15-year-old girl. Like, I know I'm going off on a side change here, but it's just like, uh, it's one of those things, it's like, an, it's one of those older movie things where you watch it as an adult, and you're just like, oh, this... Ex- this exact scene did not age well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, clipping through walls. So you couldn't do easy, you know, you couldn't do the... In fact, yeah, actually, let's take a look. So uh, from New Game, yeah, there isn't any any percentage and there isn't any 100 percentage for Resident Evil 4. Its, its categories are separated by New Game, New Game Plus, Separate Ways, Separate Ways Plus, and Assignment ADA.
1: Yeah, because there wasn't a... A thing in Resident Evil where they track the amount of items you get. It wasn't like Metroid, so it makes sense.
0: So as we were saying about Resident Evil 4, and because of their extremely high times, you know, an hour and 47, practically two hours to complete the game, standardly. You didn't have, you know, you have to run. You can't just clip through walls. When I think about speedrunning, the thing that comes up, and I've mentioned this in the podcast before, and forgive me, I don't remember exactly which episode it was, but it recently came out with the game... Uh, Mr. Krabs on ketamine. And one of the speedrunners, <laughs> one of the speedrunners, actually improved the speedrunning time <laughs> from uh, basically a minute to 20 seconds because he accidentally, during a run, uh, he recorded it. It's it's really great. Uh, he accidentally got Mr. Krabs to crash his boat through Plankton's chum bucket by glitching through the wall. And, I mean, it is precise movements. You have to grab the boat exactly where he grabbed it. You have to accelerate exactly as much as he did. You have to exit the vehicle exactly when he did. And it flings the boat and Mr. Krabs sky high and so fast that if you direct it towards a specific wall, it has to be a very specific wall, and get out of the boat, when you reach that wall, you glitch through the entire building. You don't need to go collect all the ketamine you don't have to kill sandy you don't have to beat up patrick because he's a drug addict and abuses uh no he you get to go and fight plankton high on ketamine by the way there is ketamine in chum bucket so you can get the ketamine and get mr krabs high to take him down but you get there in no time at all. And it was just the And it was completely game. by
1: accident. He didn't use any, like, tools or anything like that. This was just by accident.
0: Live. <laughs> we'll do it live. And he did. That's what... That's essentially what happened. And it was amazing because you saw his reaction. He not only realized that, like, oh, shit, he can beat the game at any... Like, at, he could take his time at this point and still get the highest score... But he realized in the video, you see it in his face, he has found the glitch that everyone from that point on will speedrun and exploit to beat his time. And it was an incredible thing because, A, I had just gotten into speedrunning. So for this to be discovered while I'm like just getting into it, I was like, wow, this is monumental. For a little bit, it was. For the next few days, uh, speedrunners who did Mr. Krabs on Ketamine use those exact exploits to get better times. And I watched this battle on YouTube unfold. My world record taken down, and he had to go reclaim it. New world record post. And it's like 20 seconds, 19 seconds, 17 seconds, and they're getting it down just incrementally. And it's it's kind of like, uh, I assume it's kind of like attributing it to sports or uh, cocaine or <laughs> like... Whatever, you know, roid range kind of people, you know, get fixated on when they make bets?
1: Oh, yeah, it's uh, a, <laughs> this is amazing, this is an amazing story. <laughs> like, just being able to whittle it down that much. I mean, that's what I love. It's one of the aspects of the internet that's awesome, where people find these things by accident and then just work together to, you know, use it to their own advantage. I mean, and that's the beauty of, like, putting this shit on YouTube. You see how they did it, and you're trying to see if there's ways you can do it better yourself, by the way, on a side note, um, something funny I remember. Um, you, of course, know about The Simpsons' uh you know steamed hams meme. Of course. So Very familiar. Ba- back when they were doing, and for folks that don't know, like look up on Google uh, The Simpsons' Skinner steamed ham meme, and you'll get caught up to speed in case you don't know about it. But anyway, back when they were doing those like million different versions of that meme... Like with many different backgrounds, many different scenarios. One person did a <laughs> Skinner Steam Ham speedrun where it had that like little counter at the bottom right where it's like, you know, you know how when you see speedruns, it'll do like a counter of like how long it took them to beat this level section, yep. then this section. Yep. So somebody did that with the Mr. Skinner's, with the Principal Skinner Steam Ham's me, where they. Had like, you know, kitchen part here, four seconds, kitchen part here, like this seconds, you know, running the crusty Burke, and it's a stare. And then, like, you should, I'll have to show you this after the episode. One of the comments in that, in this, uh, the video was, um, he's like, oh man, if you had, a, so if you had taken the, um, if you had taken the turkey out of the oven before you jumped, went to the windows, um, <laughs> and the super, new, you know, and, Nintendo, Super Chalmers.
0: Nintendo Chalmers, oh, Chalmers.
1: <laughs> Superintendent God I can, I can I'm like Ralph today Superintendent Chalmers will not, you know, come into the kitchen. Therefore, your speed run will <laughs> have been <faster. laughs>
0: Dude, Super Nintendo Chalmers, fits so perfectly right here. <laughs> if you don't take your turkey out of the oven, Super Nintendo Chalmers will walk into the kitchen. <laughs>
1: Holy I'll, crap. I'll, I'll send this to you afterwards. It's it's probably, it's my second favorite uh, Steam Hams meme uh, video. The first <laughs> one was the Italian version, which I'll show you that one later as well. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hysterical. So Oh,
0: in the same way that, yeah, the same way that memes became so prominent. is the same, you know, same kind of philosophy uh, that uh, speedrunning happened, you know. Memes are taking things out of context and creating something new out of them. You know, you you slap you slap Skinner in a meme presenting his steamed hams, and you put cat food, and then you turn uh, Superintendent Chalmers to uh, a cat, and you have that lady pointing, and the cat who's just sitting at the table. You know, those are all things that aren't necessarily a part of the meme, but they are part of the meme that create because they're create. They create the meme, same yeah, way that speedrunning is a, pl- a way to play the game. The game isn't intentionally made to be speedrun, but people are using it to speedrun, the same way that they're using other material to make memes. It's a phenomenon that I think our generation has created. It will go down in the communication textbooks as the same way that hieroglyphics has.
1: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It'll be one of the interesting things... Um our generation kind of leaves behind for everybody else. Yeah, memes. Memes. And um, I would like to... I mean, it'd be nice if our generation could take credit for speedy running, but nope, that predates us, technically. That credit, I feel like, goes solely to... um, I would say the Gen Xers. I agree. You
0: know, kind of to bookend this close... uh, Todd Rogers. You know, people who don't really take what we're saying seriously about... Oh, of course, you know, we'll, you know our, uh, the, our literature will be documented in the history books as opposed to our, uh, our sharing of memes. Todd Rogers won the very first speed run in the early 80s. I believe he received his certificate in October of 1980, if I remember the image correctly. But it was a Guinness Book of World Records certificate. Not just that, but it was an Activision certificate as well one of the very first to beat uh, a timed run. Let me tell you guys, let me tell you Pinpoint players, how important it was back then that Todd Rogers beat a speedrun. He got a photo shoot with a Playboy model.
1: That's that's something. Early 80s. Credit where credit's
0: due. I mean, that's essentially saying you're the king of the world.
1: Some people, some skeptics might say that speedrunning cheapens the uh, appeal of like some games because you know, you take a game that was meant to be enjoyed this way, but now it's being enjoyed, you know, as just a glorified speedrunner title ends. Maybe that's true with some games, but I would say no, because it's like if you really like a game so much, you'll you'll end up speedrunning it by accident anyway. For example, like, I love the game Super Metroid from when I was a kid. If I really liked it to the point where I wanted to play it, like, you know, a couple times a year, I'd probably inadvertently start speedrunning it. Not like to go anything for any records. I'm never going to beat that game in 45 minutes. But I understand how people would end up speedrunning something in the long run. So I think I could see where people think it's a cheapening of the game, but I would say no. I'd say it's a way of uh, giving game a, a new life and another way to play it. I agree. Uh,
0: I think that uh, speedrunning is a natural progression in gaming, that it evolved from the sense of, competition that the American and capitalized societies uh, instill on their workers that they need to go out and be productive in order to get the dopamine fix of achievement. So naturally, they just wanted to find achievement where they could not before in new and different ways, which isn't bad. It actually does create a sense of innovation. But I just feel like the reason for the mindset it's in the wrong area, you know, I'm glad that speedrunners developed speedrunning on their own and created this worldwide community. It, it's a it's a beautiful thing. It's a gamer specific thing. And I feel like it is a great way, well, yeah, to f- evolve uh, gaming in general. It's a great way for gamers to get into the history of video games, and it's a great way for gamers to learn about what games were like before the evolution and development of modern video games like PUBG and fortnite
1: yeah no doubt it's uh I, I want to say it's a new way of uh you know enjoying like gaming but nope this this way is uh, over 40 years old so officially over 40 years old but i would say in earnest it's been going on um on a regular basis for probably the last 30 years with the uh advent of doom yeah it leaves
0: me wondering where it will go from here i, I and i have an idea yeah. in the same way that esports has evolved into a multi-million dollar franchise franchisable kind of event i think that speedrunning will be incorporated into e-games officially right now they're not because of the different types of categories. I suppose, I haven't really looked into it, but I suppose it's because publishers of certain video games don't like how uh, speedrunners modify or improve their games, and in order for certain types of categorized speedruns to be officially locked, they have to go through the game, like Any% percent, for example. They have to go through the game as quickly as possible by any means necessary, which means breaking the game. I can certainly sympathize with developers and publishers because it is their baby. A video game is a piece of art, and a lot of artists worked diligently for that art to work exactly the way it should. And for consumers to take that art, turn it into something else, they might take it personally.
1: I get that. I guess I would say... one aspect they could explore, just to finish off what you were saying, is what they should do is uh, allow speedrunning for competitions, but not anything go speedrun. But one of those speedruns where you have to beat the game within the parameter of the game, so no tool assisted, no modifications, no glitching. I mean, if I mean, I feel like glitching is okay because it's still within the confines of the game, but nothing where you take an external tool to help you. I feel like yeah. just that should be off the table. I feel like, if as long as it's within the parameters of the game, there should be a speedrun for that. And that'd be cool. That'd be another... I feel like that level of eSports would be something that I'd be more interested in than just... Call of Duty, Team versus Team, Rainbow Six. It's like, I'm sure some people find that fun. I don't, but I like the idea of it being some sort of race. Like, oh, they're at this point in the game. This guy's at this point in the game about five seconds behind. Can he make up the gap? I yeah. feel like... That might be interesting. Now, I don't want to watch, like, a four-hour speedrun or even the Resident Evil, like, two-hour one. But one where it's, like, less than an hour, maybe I'll be interested in it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that there are ways that they can take speedrunning and make it official without having to do all of those things. And it would broaden the spectrum of eSports. Like, I would love to see an eSports event where there's a booth for a Pokemon tournament. You know, an official Pokemon tournament where it's either, you know, the penultimate world championship and it's the two who's going to compete at the next world, you know, Pokemon championship, but it's happening at the esports event. But there's also a booth where they're playing Call of Duty for the title. Insert title. It would be great for an event like that.
1: Yeah, it could be multifaceted and not just this one, you know, thing where it's just bracket style of people playing Call of Duty going to the top. It's like, nope, we can... Make it a little bit more nuanced because, well, for the good of esports, they should anyway.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I've loved. I would love to see a esports network where, like, there's a block of time, five to six p.m. You're watching the Call of Duty. I think six ESPN. To seven.
1: I think ESPN on one of its like second or two shuri channels, I think has something like that. It's really. But let's, no, seriously, I think they do, but honestly. I don't see it ever appearing on ESPN's main channel until, let's be honest, the boomers are not in the picture anymore because we're never going to convince them. Just when convinced. we become, yeah,
0: when the millennials are the be- boomer of our generation. Then maybe. Maybe. I agree. That's cool. I didn't think. But they might be getting ahead of the curve, and that's probably what they're anticipating.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's smart enough. That certainly is. We'll see what happens. But in the meantime... If you guys like our topics of a conversation and you want us to keep talking about things like that, give us a five-star on Apple Podcasts because it greatly helps us with outreach and we're getting to a new audience. Same thing on Spotify. There's a new five-star rating system there and it greatly helps us reaching new listeners.
0: Yeah, and if you want to reach out to us personally with either comments, con- questions, concerns, or ideas for our future episodes, you can reach us at uh, pinpointplayers at gmail.com. That is our email. And you may also enjoy the content in our instagram page at pinpoint players
1: send us a dm there if you have any ideas for an episode but until the next one thanks guys for tuning into our conversation about speed running we'll see you for the next one take it easy pinpoint players